Hello, strangers. Welcome to the third episode of Television Times podcast. Today's guest is the Canadian composer Jeff Allen Greenway. Jeff is a really great songwriter and he currently scores movies and plays live in and around the Toronto area. He's a good friend and I've known him for about 15 years. So without further ado, let's delve straight in and find out what he thinks about telly. Get on with it, you lazy bastard. Roll up, roll up. Welcome to Television Times, a new podcast with your host, me, Steve Otis Gunn. We'll be discussing television in all its glorious forms. From my childhood, your childhood, the last 10 years, even what's on right now. So join me as I talk to people you do know and people you don't about what scared them, what inspired them and what made them laugh and cry here on Television Times. Hello, Jeff. Well, it's been a very long time since I spoke to you in person. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a very long time. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good, man. I just come back from the school run, pick up the kids. Yeah. And now I'm here. Doing... You look the same, man. Are you getting younger? What's going on? You are the same, too. <laughs> I don't look the same. Fucking no way. I, I, I think barely... you matching glasses now, which is kind of cool. Well, I, yeah, I got to 44 and I was, um, where was I? Somewhere in China. And um, I had to go around the back of an amp rack to like, unplug something and the guy went can you go and get like a blah 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 0.5.6 and i went around the back and i was like i can't see a fucking thing so i had to go and buy glasses that day so there we are they look nice. oh Sweet. thank you yeah i've got i've got a few of them they're called um easy peasy they're italian i buy them in a shop in london now i bought last pair i bought was on carnaby street how fancy is that hmm. yeah so nothing to do with it though <laughs> listeners which will be i'm sure quite predominantly uk do you want to tell them about yourself who you are what you do how i i'll tell them how i know you sure sure so i'm uh, i guess i'm a musician a teacher and a composer um i've been a singer songwriter uh, i play piano and sing uh and i've been uh trying to get into the uh you know film composition tv composition uh, area for the last seven years or so and that's going quite well for you, isn't it? I've seen a lot of posts online of you doing scoring films and short films. And yeah, thanks. Uh, it's it's getting there. It's it's a slow slow but steady uh, uh, climb. Uh, it's hard when you're sort of doing something else full time and you're trying to do that to get it going. Uh, but it's it's getting there. Yeah, tell me about it. I'm trying to do a trying to do a podcast while bringing up three kids while my wife's at work doing a proper job. <laughs> so, yeah, I sympathize. <laughs> so what did you do today? So well, um, I edited uh, some audio for seven hours. What did you do? Oh, I made a set for a show. You know, and you're, okay, fair enough. Yeah, you're, you're, more, you're more tired, even though I'm staying up in the night. So Jeff, tell us about the new film you've been scoring, the one about Indigenous Canadians, if you don't mind. Yeah, it was really interesting, actually. Uh, one of the really cool things about working in film is that every project is totally different and uh, you learn a lot from it. Um, so this was about an Indigenous Canadian uh, stand-up comic, um, a young lady named Janelle Niles, uh, who's been sort of making waves in sort of the Canadian Indigenous community right. um, because she's... Uh, you know, they they were not featured a lot in like um, comedy bars and that sort of thing. They, sure. they had a hard time getting gigs. So she basically created her own show, which is really cool, uh, and just booked it across Canada and it, it went gangbusters. Really? Um, and she's featuring all Indigenous comics in her show. Um, and uh, so this this 
short film that I was doing as a short documentary was basically about her and what, she, what she's done. Uh, and they wanted um, a mix of sort of modern music and indigenous music. So I, of course, knew nothing about indigenous music. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I had to do lots of research on it. And I ended up working with a, a percussionist in Quebec uh, who's Métis. Um, and he uh, did some hand drumming for me. And then I mixed in a lot of electronic uh, music and uh, piano and stuff like that. And it, it was it was a really fun project. I got to meet everybody involved. And it was a, a great learning experience, too. Yeah, it sounds really interesting, Jeff. Um, it's weird, because on this side of the pond, we see Canada very differently. We see it as a very friendly place. It's hard for us to sort of put it in the same category as, say, the USA regards its um, issues with its colonial and indigenous past you know obviously i'm not naive i know there's been problems for every country but canada just seems so friendly you know yeah i know canada has a horrible past uh what do they call them again the residential schools um so basically the church and the government conspired to take away native children uh, from their parents and their families by force um and it led to a whole generation of you know native canadians of indigenous people who lost their past, who uh, suffered, you know, a great deal from that. And it's still not been resolved. So um, going back to the Indigenous comic, that's great because um, I've been watching Reservation Dogs, you know, the American comedy show. Yeah. And that's, I believe, the first American TV show that features cast and crew of Native Americans and it's been a it's been a massive hit, isn't it? And mm-hmm. and it's until it was on, you didn't realize that it wasn't on. If you know what I mean, mm-hmm. especially from over here, it was like those people just did not exist. Yeah. It's like you go to America, you go to sorry, I know you're American too, but you go to USA, and you walk around, and it's like, where is everyone? Mm-hmm. You know, well, they're all in their cars. like huge reservations there i honestly i don't think i've ever seen a native american person in phoenix mm-hmm. i mean not that i know of yeah it's kind of it's so hidden it's yeah. it's really strange it's like they live in a different dimension among us or something yeah it's really not it's really not right yeah yeah and you mentioned reservation dogs i i love that show i i've actually been getting into a little bit more sort of um you know indigenous shows in the last couple of years because they've just been becoming more prominent and uh there's another great show i don't know if you've seen it called dark winds uh, which is on AMC originally, and uh, it's it's great. It's like um, it's about a, a, a couple of uh, uh, cops on a on a native reservation, basically in the states in the seventies, right? And it's kind of like murder mystery uh, slash uh, what? Not really horror, but it's got a bit of the supernatural in there. Um, right. So some interesting, um, you know, uh, supernatural uh, native beliefs and that kind of thing it's 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 a very very good show uh they they're coming back i think with the second season soon i will check that out um, i just had to check um the name of this so i get it right three pines as well which i was watching last mm-hmm. year yes. with alfred molina that also has quite a good through line with the indigenous mm-hmm. people and the, and the things they've had to go through yeah was that canadian was that in canada or yes was it american three pines? Quebec, i believe yeah that was a really good show alfred molina right yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a really good one. Yeah. I don't, yeah, I think it will come back, won't it, considering the ending. No spoilers. It's interesting to see those stories come to the fore after so long in the dark. Mm-hmm. 
it must be good to be part of it, especially musically. Mm-hmm. How do you adapt to those melodies and bring that into your music? You said you work with a drummer from Quebec, but how do you, is, is there different keys? Is it like uh, detuned stuff or, or is it is it mostly rhythm? Yeah, well, in my case, there wasn't too much of sort of traditional indigenous music because they wanted a modern feel. So basically you can think of it sort of like as like electronic music, you know, dance music right. with, a little bit of a, um, an indigenous influence. So um, I did actually do a lot of, uh, you know, study of, of traditional indigenous music because I wasn't sure at the beginning what they, how much they wanted and, you know, what to feature. And I, I spoke to some um, indigenous musicians, uh, did a little bit of research. And actually the, the fellow I worked with, Patrick Terrian uh, in Quebec, uh, gave me a really good uh, history lesson on indigenous uh, drumming. And uh, he also plays flute and all that, all that kind of stuff. So he, um, he helped a lot too. I also, in, in school, we studied a little bit of indigenous music as well as like Arabic music and that kind of thing. So yeah. uh, I didn't really um, use a lot of uh, sort of authentic uh, indigenous elements in the music because that wasn't really what they were going for. They just wanted, you know, a little bit of that in, in the music. It's always interesting to me. Like I've, I've been watching a lot of um, Danish Korean, everyone's watching Korean, but um, Danish, Spanish, Belgian shows. And it's really funny when like a hip hop person appears and they start like rapping in like Danish or Spanish. <laughs> and it just seems so odd. But why would it be? Odd? I mean, of course, it's completely fine and, and, and completely normal. But for me, it's like, oh, that's that's really quite, especially Danish. <laughs> you want to hear like a Danish rapper. <laughs> it's really funny. Yeah. Anyway, I should uh, mention where I know you from. So I met Jeff in Toronto in 2008, I believe. Uh, so that's 15 years ago now. Wow. Probably around this time, April, May, somewhere around there. I was on, uh, how would I say? I was working on a musical in England, which I decided to leave for various reasons. And I put a guitar on my back and I went around North America literally sticking a pin in the map to see where I would go next. Bought a guitar in New York, headed to Boston, headed to Toronto, did loads of open mics, where upon meeting Jeff, I then subsequently met my wife, um, all in the same couple of venues in Toronto. So that that was quite something. And I believe we played together a couple of times, mm-hmm. a couple of times maybe, yeah. once or twice, Yeah, um, trying to. And Jeff came up to me after I played, the first time I played in three times, Jeff came straight up to me and said that he wanted to work with me and he was really liked my music. And I, I found that very, very, you know, humbling because I, I wasn't sure. Like I, was, I was very nervous in that room. Everyone seemed to be way more professional than me. I, you know, imposter syndrome kicked right in. The only thing I had in my favor was that I was from England and I had a kind of English vibe, I guess, which was a bit different. Stop waffling on about music and get on with the subject in hand. So this podcast is all about television. Excuse me for asking. I think we're about the same age, right? Is that right? Yeah, they're both. Are you young? Are you younger? I might have a few years on you. No, you don't. Yeah. Really? With that face? Think- this guy looks about 28. <laughs> what, what year were you born? 1969. Me too. 69. Oh, what month? Okay, all right. Oh, are, we, are we buddies? I, I guess we are. Yeah. I, what month were you born? February. February. Right. Well, I was talking about this recently. So you are literally almost, almost born for the Beatles rooftop gig. Just, <laughs> just a few weeks out. Yeah, I missed that. Damn it. <laughs> I know. Well, you know, it, it's weird to come from that time. So we're going to have very similar uh, things to talk about here. Um, 
So the first thing I'm going to bring up is something that I, you know, when you sort of hear a jingle or you see, obviously YouTube now, you can find the TV theme to anything. And if someone mentions a TV show that you don't remember on say a podcast or whatever, you can then just check it out. And of course you go, oh yeah, of course, I, I remember what that was. And um, over here, I don't know who it was. Somebody mentioned a TV show called The Beachcombers. Do you know this Beachcombers, show? yeah, Canadian. It was Cana- yeah. Canadian, yeah. right? And I and they talked about it, about a guy with a boat and they were like loggers yeah, or yeah. something. And I was like, oh, I've never heard of that. I put the, the opening theme on and I was like, oh yeah, I know that show. I used to watch that all the time. But I don't know when I would have watched it. I mean, it must have been on the BBC, I guess, over here. Did you watch that show? That's Did you like it? interesting that it even made it over there. It was a Canadian staple. Yeah. It was on CBC television like 24 7 like you could not turn on the tv without <laughs> catching an episode of the beachcombers um and, and it was a great show yeah like the the actors in that were great they they actually had an indigenous canadian actor on that too that was one of the first shows i think that uh, really had yeah as a regular in the cast and uh they had a few actually um yeah very- See, that's quite progressive yeah that's yeah. What's that early it, 70s i'm assuming it was yeah and uh yeah it was it was a fun show um i i didn't watch it religiously but you know well, you couldn't, could you? Because you probably, you couldn't pause it. You couldn't stream it. You had to be there. Right. You had to probably get home for like, how was it there? Because for, for us, we had, um, until 1982, we only had three channels. Mm. And BBC One, BBC Two and ITV. BBC Two, there was nothing yeah. on there. Uh, BBC One did about, I think it was from like, maybe 4.20 to 5.45, there was children's TV on there. And a bit in the morning as well, which became CBeebies. Mm-hmm. And I don't think ITV did, did much. There was very little to, to choose from. Did you have a, because you, did you have cable as a kid in Canada? Yeah, we, we were just kind of a step behind the US in terms of TV. Like we would get what they got, like maybe five years, two, three years later. Um, so yeah, we started out with like, of course, the over the air channels and we'd get like maybe five or six, you know, some in Canada, some from across the border right mm-hmm. in the US. Toronto is very close to uh, to the US. Um, and then, yeah, then we got cable and then we had, I think, 13 channels wow. <laughs> or something like that, right? So yeah, it, it gradually sort of increased over time. <laughs> yeah. So you would have had access to maybe more shows than, than us in some way because of that. Yeah, and, and a fair amount of American shows uh, as well, right? What we didn't have was British shows and that, that re- really tortured me as a kid because I was a huge, huge Doctor Who fan. Yeah. And I would read about, you know, the latest Doctor Who and, and uh, you know, the new villains and all that sort of thing in magazines. Yeah. And it's like, we don't have that because we were two years behind Right, uh, England, right? So we, we, you know, we we were always getting like the the, the old Doctor, right? Well, that is so was, behind. I mean, that's like that yeah. reminds me of when as recent as nineteen ninety nine to two thousand. I remember in two thousand. This is not about films. This is a television podcast, but still, I'll mention this. I happened to be traveling around the world in nineteen ninety nine, and in the year two thousand, I just saw all these films come out in the UK about nine months later that I'd already seen the previous year. Mm-hmm. Sort of, you know, American Beauty, things like that, yeah. uh, Fight Club. Yeah. Uh, being John Malkovich, they all came out about six months later, I think. And it was like you were watching films from the previous century because there was this massive delay. But you're talking about a two-year television two delay. Yeah. See, I, yeah, I, it was crazy. And now everything's instant, right? Like, yeah. I mean, you almost instant. You can watch things from all around the world almost at the same time. Well, I don't know if this is true. We had the opposite situation in Ireland, in the Republic of Ireland, where I lived for five years as a child. Now, um, this is word of mouth. I don't know if this is true. I guess I could check it out. But I, maybe there's no information on this on Reddit or whatever. But I was told that we got shows from the US. They would test them on RTE. They'd try them out on the Irish okay. populace before they said okay to the UK. 
Now, I don't know how true this is, but this is what I was told by my granddad at the time, my Irish granddad. And I do remember the A-team was on in Ireland. <laughs> and I used to watch that in my granddad's house. And then I came to England and then it came out about a year after that as a new show. So I think there mm. might, it might have been some truth to that. There were shows that were shown in Ireland that weren't shown in the UK. They never mm. came. Like, um, what's that American one where they always talk about it in movies, but I never know, I don't have the reference. MacGyver. That's it. Oh, yeah. See, we never yeah. saw that. We don't know what that was. It was always referenced. It was mm -hmm. uh, like, what are they talking about? No idea. <laughs> yeah. I do have a question for you, actually, which isn't on my mm -hmm. list. Just because we were talking about being the same age. For me, quite a lot of television I first saw was 60s TV as reruns and mm -hmm. old black and white Laurel and Hardys, Abbott Costello, little old black and white things that they would run on television. Yeah. Um, on BBC Two, actually, now I think about it, that was where you'd find... So the TV, the children's TV would end, and you'd flick over to BBC Two, and there'd be like Harold Lloyd. That's who I used to watch, um, which must have been, what, 40 years old then. Did they do any of that in Canada? Um, I remember seeing some Laurel and Hardy, um, and, of course, like all the... the um Bugs Bunny cartoons and that kind of stuff. So yeah, there was a fair amount of sort of, you know, 50s, 60s stuff uh, on. But I think we might have been a little bit more ahead in terms of, of program at that time. Like we were getting more stuff from the US and, and that kind of thing. Oh, you were, you were absolutely spot because I was stuck watching Mr. Ed and Bewitched. <laughs> so um, <laughs> I think we're a bit behind. I remember Bewitched. I was on too. Bewitched was good, wasn't it? Yeah. It was one of this. Well, we can probably link Bewitched to this. Maybe not. So, Jeff, uh, one of the questions I like to ask is a nice icebreaker early on. Do you remember, like, which character, it could be a cartoon character, which person on television that you first kind of got those funny feelings about? Is there someone, someone obscure in Canadian television that, that we'll have to look up? You know, you're a kid, you're looking at the telly, you go, oh, I like her, but I don't know why. Yeah, yeah. You know what, what's funny? It was actually a British show. Um, oh. New Avengers. Do you remember the New Avengers? This came up already with another guest. Go on, tell me who. <laughs> well, I think you know who. <laughs> there was only one female character. Oh, well, she, the, the character changed. The actress changed, though, in different oh, seasons, apparently. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Apparently. I guess I, maybe I didn't see that season or something. Yeah, but it was it was Joanna Lumley, right? Pretty. Oh, yes. Joanna Lumley. So she she comes up on my radar in Sapphire and Steel. Did you ever see Sapphire and Steel? I don't know. weird sci-fi we Did we get that it's one? Very strange. I don't think we really got it. It was on for like a little while. Mm -hmm. it's very late, nineteen seventy nine. It's uh, it rings a bell, but I don't don't remember that one as well. I remember uh, New Avengers was on quite a bit when I was uh, younger, and uh, it I, I remember it because of the theme. I love the theme of the show and the fact it was actually shot in Canada. They had a whole really? season in Canada. Yeah, so that was kind of neat to see like all these Canadian locations. So, how old would you have been when you got those little stirrings? That's a good question. <laughs> Maybe 10? 10. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah, it's probably 10, 11, 12. I don't know, somewhere around there. And uh, I still remember, you know, those huge, you know, pieces of furniture. You know, like cathode ray tube the size of your room. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I remember my granddad tried to fix one once. He had the back off. You know, the back was just plastic and you could just access screws. It wasn't like a Torx or anything. So just get a screwdriver. He left it plugged in. And I don't remember yeah. what exactly happened. I found <laughs> out afterwards that the copper retains some kind of electricity, doesn't it? Yeah. He got a massive bang off it. Ow. 
it's good good thing he he was all right because uh, yeah i think people have been been killed by that he was i mean he was okay doing that but later on he tried to stick some egg boxes to the wall and he fell backwards into a glass table so i guess he was a bit oh, of a klutz a bit of a mr bean character and how i think about it <laughs> ouch yeah i know <laughs> In the 90s, there wasn't a lot of Canadian TV shown over in the UK. But one thing that really caught my eye was Kids in the Hall. Oh, yeah. And I was a yeah. huge fan of Kids in the Hall. And when I first came to Canada, my then-girlfriend's cousin or whatever found out that I liked them. And on the last day that I was in Toronto, he came and gave me this huge ream of paper. And I said, what, what is this? And he goes, oh, I just wanted you to have this to take. This is before the internet, guys. Um, 1997, he gave me this huge ream of paper and he said, this is all the scripts from the Kids in the Hall uh, TV show. I've printed them all out for you. Oh my God. <laughs> and I was like, uh, and I'm to do what with this giant brick of paper? Um, I mean, I like them, but I didn't need the scripts printed out. It was very sweet. But um, I remember coming, the first time I came to Toronto in 97, all I could think about was Kids in the Hall and I was looking for locations. I saw a few of them, you know. Mm -hmm. it, it was very exciting. Uh, that was the first thing I think that I knew, apart from Brian Adams, about Canada. It might well be. Did you watch that show? Did you like it? I watched it on and off. I wasn't wasn't a huge fan, but they they had some really hilarious skits. And the thing I liked about them is they were they were really off the wall. Like a, a lot of the you know the writing was very fresh and different. And you know, uh, so it was it was interesting to see because a lot of Canadian comedy, I think, before that was very uh formulaic safe yeah I, I forget who we had before that there were there was like a comedy duo that was really well known in canada and i forget their names uh, and they were like huge for like i don't know 30 years or something like that um but they were very very you know sort of uh, formulaic and sort of stiff for lack of a better word you know like it wasn't uh, i i was really into monty python at the time right and i love that kind of skewed sense of humor and and uh and Kids in the Hall reflected a little bit of that, I think. You know, they, they also did some really wacky stuff. It's funny you should say that because you just made me think that for me, like the Canadian comedies that have been on in the last few years, is it um, Corner Gas? Mm -hmm. And what's the one in the convenience store, an Asian convenience store? What's that called? Kim's Convenience. I tried to watch it, but I mean, I'm, I'm not going to say it's terrible or anything, but it's not like groundbreaking. It's not exciting. It doesn't, considering the amount of comedians that come out of Canada, and they have the Montreux Comedy Festival. It is weird that the Canadian TV shows aren't generally that funny until up to, say, Schitt's Creek. Mm -hmm. Really, it is odd, apart from sketch. Yeah, and there, there's always been that kind of comedy show here. Like, there, there's, you know, stuff like Kids in the Hall was rare. You know, like, there were a few shows that were good like that uh letter kenny is quite funny uh that that's done quite well in the u.s yeah i've seen a few clips of that is that on netflix or something yeah that that's kind of different too it's it's quite cute letter kenny is it in any way irish because that's an irish county uh, i don't know irish canadians there, there may be some irish heritage to it <laughs> yeah maybe it's just it's it's a it's it, it, it it's a real slice of sort of like small town canadiana uh, on that show. And the characters are very, very funny. I guess I'm, I'm sort of in the back of my head, I'm just itching to get to this subject because I know we share the exact same answer. I don't want to bore everyone with the same answer on every podcast, but Jeff and me probably agree on this one. So if I was to ask you, 
which TV show or TV series starring David Soul um, in the late seventies <laughs> scared the shit out of you? Which what would be your answer? Yeah. <laughs> I guess Starsky and Hutch is not the correct answer, right? <laughs> it ain't. There's an S at the beginning. Oh yeah, yeah. Salem's Lot. Oh my god. I watched the trailer again yesterday. It's still yeah. horrific. It's still... What were they thinking? Yeah, I got the Blu-ray a few years back. Uh, oh I was God. so ecstatic that they finally released it on Blu-ray. Uh, I watched it when I was probably about six or seven. <laughs> six? I think, I, I think my dad... Uh, <laughs> You know, it, it was a little bit of a parenting fail there. Uh, he, wow. he used to watch TV, you know, at night. And uh, and he was fine if I just kind of sat down next to him and we were watching TV together. I don't think he really uh, thought too much about what it was we were watching. I, I watched some terrible stuff uh, with him. So Salem's Lot was one of them. And I think there was a, a movie called Blood Beach or something like that, too. That Blood was also Beach. kind of questionable. Although we sometimes mention movies, all the movies mentioned, you will realize, were shown on a television at some point. So technically, these are movies on a television. Watching at home. Still, television. 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 Television times. It was like you got sucked in by the sand on the beach by these monsters that were underneath. Instead of water, you had to be beware of the sand. The quicksand, yeah, in the 70s yeah. and 80s. It was all about quicksand, wasn't it? Which I've since subsequently heard is not true. But I always mm-hmm. thought I was going to, if I went off a path or whatever, I remember even being in New Zealand as an adult going, if I go over there, is that quicksand? Am I going to just go into the earth? <laughs> Yeah, and meanwhile, it's really slow sand. As opposed it takes to like a day or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. Uh, yeah. Wow. I mean, I do, I do wonder about this. Maybe you had remote controls. We didn't uh, in the late seventies in England, but maybe you had a clicker, as they call them. Um, and I do wonder if that's why, like, when my kids come in, if I'm watching something inappropriate, like uh, the comedy show Dave, which I love, um, I have to pause that because it's so inappropriate. Yeah. If 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 my boy comes in and he sees that. You know, mm-hmm. he, he's going to see something you shouldn't, or you try and clip to the frame where you try and pause it at a frame where it's not obvious that something dodgy is happening. Mm-hmm. And of course, no one did that for us. I remember going downstairs the same and seeing all manner of like horrific ITV cop shows with people beating the shit out of each other or the professionals. I used to watch the professionals. That's true. I used to watch the professionals and I must have been about eight or nine. Yeah. That is hugely inappropriate. There was yeah. prostitution and drugs and. Yeah people fighting and calling each other as many swear words as they could get away with then. Yeah. You know, come here, you tart. Fuck yeah. You know, it's like, <laughs> I used to, you know, you'd have to walk through the house to go to the bathroom, I guess that's probably why. But yeah. So did they, uh, silly question, but did you have remote controls when you were a kid or? Uh, I don't remember when we got them, but eventually, yeah, we, we had, uh, I think the, the remote that sat on the TV with all the buttons, you know, so you could push all the different channels. It wasn't really a, a handheld remote. You had to actually get she up. She still had to go over. Yeah, you know, I've heard about this. It was really a remote. It was connected to the TV, but you had to walk over to push it. What's the point of that? Yeah. <laughs> Make the cable longer. And then we got the ones with the digital readout and the the little uh, uh, clicker, right? Um, but yeah, mm-hmm. I think probably late 70s, early, early 80s, something like that. It's like a poor man's remote. You know what I had like that? I had... I think when I was about 10 or 11, I got a remote control car and I always wanted a remote control car. But one of my aunts or uncles got me like a cheap one and it was, but it was connected. So I had to walk around (laughs) with the wire connected to the car. So it was, it didn't quite have the same vibe. (laughs) True. I remember our TVs, they used to have like a special plastic, would it have been plastic? A special little thing that you would shove in just above the channel at a little uh, clippable secret box that you'd open and in there were these little dials and you put them in a bit like putting a pen on a cassette 
and you would just ever so slightly move it and it would tune the channel better. I just remember that. Oh, yeah. Before digital tuning, manual tuning. Yeah. They're like a, sound like we're from 1850, seriously. <laughs> it's unbelievable, man. So let's bring it up to modern times. What's your favourite show on right now over there? Something maybe we don't know about. Um, favourite show, favourite show. Um, there, I'm watching a bunch of stuff right now. I'm really into sort of the horror uh, shows that are on. There, there's been a real resurgence in like good horror TV in the last uh, few years. Yeah. And I've really gotten into this show called From, which is on Paramount. Um, and it is killer. It is like one of the best horror shows I've seen in like, from i'll have to write that down you, you posted about this didn't you and i, yeah. I wrote it down somewhere forgotten yeah it's it's uh i believe it's from the creators of lost and it's it's basically um it's a mystery about this you know small town in sort of the middle of nowhere in the u.s that people get trapped in you know they they're driving somewhere uh and all of a sudden they get stuck and they can't get out oh that's reminded me of a 1960s episode of the twilight zone Mm. black and white, where they try and leave the town, but every road leaves back into the town. Up Over in a Quiet Town was a 1964 episode of The Twilight Zone by Rod Serling. I originally thought they took a car to leave the town. Turns out they took a train. And that's probably where all of that originally comes from, right? Because uh, Yeah. But it's uh it's it's really really well done like it's uh you know it's like mis- layers of mystery upon each other and the creatures in it are genuinely horrifying. They're basically like vampire types. They're they're like regular people until they're not. <laughs> oh. Wow. Uh, and it's um it, it it's a genuinely scary show and I can't say that there's been a lot of those uh, around. And it just uh started a second season now so they're on the second season, but it's it's really sort of under the radar. Not a lot of people know about it. Yeah, I haven't heard of it. And I, I only saw your posts and I, I do remember meaning to write it down and I didn't and then I probably couldn't remember. I remember who's in it. It's that guy from Lost and from Oz, isn't it? What's his name? Uh, yeah, I don't remember the names of the... Harold Perrineau. I was always scared of horror, probably because of Salem's Lot and other TV shows that I saw as a kid, uh, like Rent-A-Ghost and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, I've definitely had a massive resurgence of my interest in horror. But I lose it. I lose faith in the TV show usually for one of two reasons. It's usually kind of the same reason, but it's always if it's religious. If it suddenly goes, and God must, and you've got to put a cross up to stop something, it's like, well, I'm out. Or, or there's some kind of demon. I watched a, a movie, we're not talking about movies, but I did watch a movie recently where it was pretty good until the end, and then it became something about a demon and a Bible, and, a, and I was like, oh, that's ruined it for me. Can we just keep away from that? At least have some kind of like underground demon dweller that isn't anything to do with God. Then I'll be invested because, yeah. you know, I don't, I'm not going to believe in that. It's just not, it's just not realistic. You'd like this show then because it has nothing to do with religion whatsoever. Um, it's, it, and, and there's some really, really interesting um, ideas in it. It's, it's, it's very, very well done. The other show I was going to mention that I, I really like, but I don't think you will because it's got a lot of religious overtones. Okay. Is, uh, evil. Uh, sometimes <laughs> I, I mean, I, I can watch, you know, I'll watch like, uh, what's it called in, in English? It's called Ride Upon the Storm, I think. This the uh, Danish show. That's all about a priest. I can watch that. That's fine. It's just if it's like the cure to this demon going back to hell is some kind of special water or a <laughs> silver bullet or something. I just, I don't buy any of that. And it does, it, because it doesn't scare me because I don't believe in it. 
So what I believe in, weird things jumping out at me in the night from the sitting room. That's what yeah. I believe in. So just show me a shadow behind a door and I'll shit myself, you know? <laughs> <laughs> that that gets yeah. to me, stuff well, like that. Like those... Um, I was yeah, going to say, it's on, much sorry. more effective when they do that, right? And what you imagine in your mind is 10 times more horrifying than, you know, the bad CGI that they often show you on the screen, right? Yeah, true. Absolutely. Yeah. I agree. It's interesting that we're all getting into horror, though, isn't it? I wonder if that's a, a thing now, like uh, people of our generation who, you know, they didn't like it as kids, but feel safe enough to watch it now. Maybe it's taken like 30 years of like internal therapy. <laughs> There was a, there's a TV show from Korea where this monster comes up. This one works. It comes up from, I think, what they call hell, but because it's not Christian, I can watch it. And these monsters just turn up in the middle of Seoul and start trashing the place and dragging people down. And it looks absolutely mad. Like, well, I, I'm not going to enjoy that. I was really, really impressed of how well they did it. And it, it was scary. This is where we took a little break in the recording. That's why it sounds a tiny bit disjointed. Anyway... Back to the podcast. Okay, that's what's called. So the TV show I was talking about is called Hellbound. So it is hell that they're talking about. And these uh, monsters come up and they just drag people that I think they consider to be bad um, down to hell. Um, but the way it's done is it's, it's a TV show, but it looks like a, a $300 million American movie. You know, it's amazing. Amazing what, they, what they're doing in Korea. It's incredible. Never really. heard of that one. What, what year was that around? I think it was last year I saw it. Oh, okay. That's yeah, pretty recent. See, I don't like zombie stuff either. Zombie stuff does nothing for me. Yet somehow the Korean stuff manages to pull me in, you know, in a way that things like Walking Dead didn't. Are you a Walking Dead guy? Um, I was for the first season. And then, you know, I kind of reluctantly stuck with it until they went off the rails. I think it was season seven or something like that. And then I just... I, I lost interest. I do like The Last of Us, though. I don't know if you've seen The Last of Us. Yes, I was just about to say, because mm. I, too, I think I saw one or two episodes of uh, The Walking Dead. It's not for me. I, I understand it's probably a very good show. Maybe I'll watch it when I'm 70. But mm. right now, it's it's not really my cup of tea. And The Last of Us, I completely wrote off about 10 minutes in when a certain thing happens to the main character's relation. And I thought, I'm out. I can't watch things like this. Mm. And then we rewatched the whole episode together and then we, we were in. And it was, it's fantastic, really good. I didn't think I'd go for it because it does seem, firstly, it's a computer game. Don't care about that. Secondly, it's, you know, a man on a quest with a child and she's special. And I was like, oh God, really? Seriously, is this going to be, <laughs> you know, <laughs> through a land of zombies, mm. um, which aren't zombies, but you know, I, I was really impressed with it and it really did tick all my boxes in the end, which I was surprised by. So Never judge a book by its first 10 minutes, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I think the characters are really sell it. You know, like the actors uh, are, are wonderful. And, and the writing is really, really good too. Really top notch. Mm -hmm. Absolutely excellent. Mm -hmm. And the other show that I obviously love, and uh, you know, not an original person here, but the best writing I've seen since, you know, all those good shows like uh, Sopranos and The Wire that I watched way too late. Um, is Succession, which um, mm. I don't know if you watch Succession. It's incredible television. Yeah, I haven't seen that yet. Uh, but yeah, like I'll, your recommendation is, uh, you know, taken very highly there. I, I'll, I'll check that out. I, I love The Wire too. I didn't get into that until literally 10 years ago. <laughs> oh, I watched it much more recent than that. It was for me, it was around 2017. And I started watching, I watched all of The Wire and then I watched The Sopranos. I think I saw maybe the first season of Sopranos or some of it at the time, the first season. Mm. 
but it was the year 2000 or 99 or something. And I, I was like, what am I going to program a video and come back and watch it on a Sunday? I mean, I can't do this. <laughs> I was always away. It, there was no way to like, there was a massive gap for me between 2000, 2006, where I never watched anything because yeah. it was just, you know, it was on. And once I, if I missed it, that was that, you know, people do know, I guess by now, but I used to work in theater. So I was a sound engineer and I'd be working on various plays and musicals. And I was on the road once and a friend of mine came up with a DVD um, of House. I'd never heard of it. Like now I would not be able to not know about a television show, but for this big sort of six year gap, I knew nothing about popular culture when it came to television. And it, it was season two of House. And he goes, I've got both seasons. You should watch it on your laptop. And I'd only recently got a laptop as well. First laptop was 2004. <laughs> so I put the DVD in and I was hooked. That was the first TV show that got me back in. Mm-hmm. And then... I spent some time in Japan and I go to, oh, let me say it correctly, Steyr Video Shop. And they still had like video rentals, but obviously DVDs. And I would get CDs and pump them into iTunes. But I'd also get a lot of DVDs when I was in Japan. And I would just watch and I would devour TV shows that I'd missed, like extras, you know, uh, Ricky Gervais. Mm. Uh, Any DVD I could find that was a TV show. And I would be thrilled if there was two or three seasons of something like that. Whereas now, when a new show comes out, it better be a limited season or a very good show. Because if I start watching it and I think, am I going to watch this for six years? I don't fucking think so. It's got to be good. It's got to get my attention. You know what I mean? It's a commitment now. Also, getting older, I don't want to kind of just waste my time. I'm going to watch it till I'm 65 or something. Come on. Yeah. Yeah, there's too much content out there now. Like that, that's that's a big problem, right? I mean, if you think about it, back in the 90s, uh, you know, if we go back to there, there were the major networks, you know, yeah. that all had a certain number of shows. Now you've got like the major networks, you've got Netflix, you've got Amazon, you've got all these different streamers, and they all have like 15 shows. <laughs> yeah, you can have your own one, set one up now. We're doing <laughs> yeah. content right now. <laughs> we're adding to the pile. Yeah, so it's so hard yeah. to know what what to watch, right? It really is. And I do do quite a lot of research. Um, but man, there is so much. And there are shows that I do want to watch that I sort of, it just doesn't feel like the time. But like, how did I find time as a kid to watch like The Little House on the Prairie then? You know what I mean? Because <laughs> yeah. that's shit, isn't it? That was shit. Obviously it was <laughs> it's shit. A very, very slow show, that one. I remember I watching that as a kid. I was avid watcher of that. And it was so <laughs> like, you know, um, puritanical and like, <laughs> you know, yeah. Well, I guess that was authentic for the times, right? Uh, I guess so. Good. Wholesome, wasn't it? Wholesome. Yes. That and the Waltons, right? Remember the Waltons? I didn't like the Waltons. There was something about the Waltons that creeped me out a bit more. It felt like a family of pedophiles to me. any big like reality tv shows over there that you watch anything like that i mean we don't watch a lot of it over here just a few select yeah. good things but... to be honest i hate reality tv <laughs> I, I hated it since it started i just I, I don't like the idea of you know sort of cameras and people's faces following you know their their life i find it it, it makes me uncomfortable you know i feel like it's too intrusive and then half the time it's scripted anyway so it's not yeah really real people pretending to be themselves yeah it's awful. I mean, we only watch, I've watched Traitors recently, which I, which I did like. Really, we only watch the UK Apprentice and we do watch Dragon's Den, which I believe is still called Dragon's Den in Canada too, isn't it? Yeah, actually, I did watch that a little bit. I found that was, that was an interesting, uh, interesting show. 
Yeah, uh, and the Americans took it and turned all the volume up and made everyone even worse and started yeah. asking for 90% of everyone's business. Yeah. Called it Shark Tank. Shark Tank. Yeah, yep. It should have been called something else. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I've watched a few of those and it's okay, but I mean, it's just, it's just nasty. It's just like a capitalist nightmare version. Like over here, they, you know, one of the dragons will go, um, okay, yeah, I can do that for 6%. And you think, in America, they'd ask for 80 mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? <laughs> And they want to be the CEO or whatever, right? (laughs) Yeah, take the whole thing. Exactly. They just want to steal the companies off everybody. That's pretty awful. So your Dragon's Den was obviously with UK uh, business people as opposed to Canadian business people, which was the original show, I think. Um, I believe it's from Japan. It was a Japanese concept. Yeah, in the late 90s. And then UK was one of the earlier Western ones. Um, And then you guys and then America, America last. There's even Australian one. I'm pr- pretty sure there's an Australian. See, I did not know that. That's interesting. I thought it was actually a Canadian show because I'd never seen it anywhere else. Like it hadn't been on our TV. Uh, yeah. Where else? The dragon, the dragon element is the Japanese element, I believe. Mm-hmm. I can't remember what it was actually called. The Tigers of Money. The Tigers of Money. <laughs> that doesn't quite translate, does it? <laughs> yeah. It first aired in 2001. So the first year of the 21st century for all of those out there that actually know how maths work. <laughs> Okay, Jeff, so we talked a little bit about sci-fi. Are you a sci-fi guy or sci-fi guy? Yeah, a huge sci-fi guy, but um, I have to say I've been disappointed with a lot of TV sci-fi. You know, a few years back, everybody was raving about the reboot of Battlestar Galactica. I had a feeling you were going to say that. I started watching it and it's like, what is this? Yeah, I fizzled out. Nothing. Well, I think partly because I grew up with a 70s TV show. Yes, yes, <laughs> right? me too. And so I was, you know, kind of knew the story Starbuck. and you know, who the characters were. And it's like, yeah, everything's different in this. You know, why are Cylons like, why do they have blonde hair and look like beautiful women? <laughs> you know, like this doesn't make any sense to yeah, me. Right? It was really so I, I couldn't get into that. Right. And and I didn't like how they totally changed it completely. Um but there, there, there have been some really good uh, shows in the last little while. Um, uh, I, of course, grew up with Doctor Who, right? So I was really excited yeah. when they did the reboot of Doctor Who. Um, couldn't really get into it as much as the original. The Christopher right? Eccleston season, the first one. Yeah, first well, one. yeah. I, I liked him. I liked him. I yeah. wish he'd stayed on a, a little bit longer. Well, I didn't. What what I wasn't as crazy about was the writing. Um, I found it to be a little too soap opera-ish romantic undertones and uh, oh was there a will they won't they kind of thing between the doctor yeah, and the... yeah. and it's like and, and, and a lot of family drama and you know it's like yes i do remember that. In, in the show <laughs> i've never seen a david tennant episode i've never i didn't follow it far into mm. that new version yeah doctor who for me is embedded in my past it's not something i watch now or i'm really interested yeah. in the new ones with disney and everything come on yeah. um but that one was event tv in the UK because it's such a established show and everybody has grown up with it. There was a huge yep. gap where it wasn't on 10, 15 years. There was some little bits here and there around the millennium. But when that Christopher Eccleston episode aired in, I want to say 2006, 2007, I was on a, another theatre show and we all went downstairs into the green room in Cambridge. And I remember this and we all sat around in like a big brother type sofa and we all just watched it and everybody shut the fuck up and we all watched it and it was great and we were all so happy that it was back it was and and then every week we would all do this on tour that was the silent time we'd all go before the show because it was on perfectly time that we could watch it before the show and we'd all go to the green room and watch doctor who 
It was incredible. It was such a nice feeling. I remember almost being tearful that it was back, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it was great that they brought it back. Um, and there there were some great episodes. Like um, there was one, I forget the name of it, uh, where uh, they had, you know, children with, with gas masks and stuff like that. It was kind of set during the war. Yeah. Uh, that was a brilliant episode. Uh, that was really, really good. And, right. and there was uh, the Weeping Angels were, were a great new character that they brought in. So there, there was some great stuff. And I'm really happy that they brought it back, you know. Uh, but yeah. I, my heart is still with the original series you know i grew up with john pertwee and tom baker and you know yeah tom baker was my doctor yeah and even though the special effects were you know sometimes pretty shoddy <laughs> you know budgets were a little short you know sometimes the writing was you know a little misogynist or especially those earlier shows um it, it was it was great you know it was the stories were were really interesting you know they were talking about environmental stuff and uh you know yeah um lots of really sort of heady topics you know to be you know for what, what was essentially a children's show and you say it wasn't on regularly in canada no it was terrible it was on once a week and it like i said it was two years behind well, it was on once a week for me too but oh was it okay yeah, yeah well i guess those, those were the days that everything was on once a week right yeah i remember it was always saturday and if i think of tom baker being doctor who i can see myself sitting down on the carpet in front of the TV with a bowl of Heinz tomato soup and some big white bread. Cause that's, that's what I associate with, with that doctor. Yeah. John Pertwee was okay, but he always seemed a little creepy for me. Um, so Tom Baker was, was just, you know, a, a breath of fresh air. I got to meet him once. Did you? Um, yeah. In 1989, I was working in a tool shop in the West end and he came in to buy. A <laughs> um, I probably have to cut this. <laughs> So he came into the shop and he bought something and I was like blown away that he was standing right in front of me and he was towering, you know, and he was bending down. He was larger than life, big curly hair, big white face. I was like, it's fucking Doctor Who. It's Doctor Who. I'm serving Doctor Who. Wow. It was amazing. It was amazing for me anyway. And then I saw him again, like six months later, just walking down the street, uh, buying a coffee. And I went, oh, I get it now. He's just around here. <laughs> me like uh around that time there were other sci-fi shows that i watched like uh space 99 yeah um i used I to watch buck rogers in yep. the 25th century was that lee majors no no there's someone else yeah. been. I, I mean, he, what, was it lee majors i don't know everything was lee majors wasn't it <laughs> like wasn't he in every single show <laughs> i remember the fall guy he was in the fall guy fall guy which they're remaking into a movie with ryan gosling right now Ooh. yeah in oh. australia i believe Interesting. Yeah, that was a fun yeah, one. But yeah, no, I don't remember who was in Buck Rogers. Um, I don't think it was Lee Majors. It was somebody else. The actor who played Buck Rogers was actually called Gil Garrard. But there was a little robot thing that ran around. It used to go midi, 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 midi. Midi, 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 midi. What was For me, it said midi, musical instrument, digital interface. And then there's a robot dog too. Or was that Battlestar Galactica? Sorry, I'm getting those two. I thought that was Doctor Who, canine. Yeah, yeah, but there was Battlestar Galactica. I think it was had a robot dog too. Really, uh, with actual feet, like he would. It was it, it, as opposed to wheels. <laughs> oh, I don't remember that. I did. I used to watch Battlestar Galactica, and I, I was just like you. Somebody told me, "Oh, you're going to love it, Steve. Just watch it. It's really political, and it's really." And um, when my firstborn son arrived, I stayed up all night so that she could sleep, and then I would sleep in the day. 
I would watch episodes all night long of Battlestar Galactica, the new one. This would have been 2014. Mm. And like you, I got I got quite into it, like not into it as in I liked it. I just got quite far into the season two or three. And I just thought, oh, what am I doing? This is so boring. And I know the 70s one was probably naff. And if you watched it now, it would just be, you know, unwatchable. But I, I think it's impossible to replace things like that. It really is. It's how people feel about Star Wars and stuff, isn't it? Yeah. Well, the 70s show was was pretty cheesy. Um, and it was quite obviously a, a complete ripoff of Star Wars, too, at the time, right? Which was um, kind of questionable, too. But it, it um, I think probably the writing was better on the new one. I don't know. Uh, you know, I didn't stick with it long enough uh, to, no. to really find out because I think they tried to do more with it than they did with the original. The original one was just basically a group of humans trying to get away from the Cylons. The end. <laughs> that's that's the whole story and they just fight with each other all the time i just thought of another show that i think i used to get them mixed up something called blake seven do you remember something called blake seven we never got that here i, I remember reading i was really into Starlog back in the 70s i don't know if you know that magazine but it was right. all all things science fiction and they right. always talked about blake seven i don't know if maybe it was a, even a, a uk magazine i'm not sure but they would talk about blake seven doctor who right and and i was really confused you know what's this blake seven because we we never got it over here unfortunately <laughs> For me, Planet of the Apes is only um, linked to one story. I don't think it made it into the book, You Shot My Dog and I Love You, available at all bookshops and online. Um, it was, I went away for like a summer holiday with a, a group of like troubled kids, I guess is the word. And um, when I got back uh, during the holiday, they'd allowed me to buy a Galen mask. Galen, that's the character, right? Yeah. Um, mask. And all it was was a very crude brown monkey mask. And if you moved your jaw, it moved, you know, so it would move like that. I got off the coach and my nan was waiting for me in this sort of, you know, untarmacked, gravelly field. I got off the bus and the first thing she did, she came over to me and goes, get that fucking thing off your face. And she threw it in the nearest bin and dragged me off. Oh, no. <laughs> I know. It never made it home. That's terrible. And then she told me, I told you you couldn't have that. You're a man of music. What's your favorite TV theme? You got one of them? That's a stupid oh. question. I just thought I'd ask you. You're the only one being asked that. Yeah. Oh, thanks. Um, yeah, no. Well, I mean, the 70s and 80s were like the the height of TV themes, right? And I don't think it ever came back to that again. Although, which is re what's really interesting is I think it made a resurgence in the last few years. I think True Detective was one of the ones that really struck me. It's like, wow, they've got a real long theme for this and it was it was great it was a, it was a song as opposed to like, yeah you know instrumental but it was really really well done and fit fit the show perfectly but you know i was i was hugely influenced by tv themes growing up and i think that's one of the things that you know uh made me want to become a composer uh you know i think the first one that really hit me was i don't know if you guys ever got battle of the planets do you know battle of the planets? sandy frank presents yeah yeah i write about it's it in my book great. Yeah, because I talk about this often, like you always know who produced the thing before you watch it. It would always say that, a bit like old movies, they tell you, give you yeah. the full list before. <laughs> Sandy Frank Productions. Yeah. And um, yeah, Battle of the Planets, about 1979, I remember watching that, like a lot. I would run home to watch that. What were they? Uh, yeah, same here. What are they called? What's the team called? G-Force. G-Force, G-Force, yeah. that's it, of course. 
I really like, called science was it science ninja team Gatchaman if you look back yeah yeah Gatchaman yeah <laughs> for me I thought it was just yeah. an American TV show of course not yeah they just they they completely neutered it <laughs> for American yeah. audiences if you look at the Japanese one it's like wow the show was really about that <laughs> yeah yeah um but yeah the the theme for that was just killer it was just like it was like something ripped right out of Star Wars right so yeah. that was huge for me it's like wow you know this is exciting and then of course all the um uh, you know, the sort of action TV shows of the time, you know, Starsky and Hutch, uh, Magnum P.I. I think my favorite theme of all time, though, has got to be Hill Street Blues. Oh, that makes sense. That's kind of jazzy, right? Kind of, yeah. It's like a piano piano pop ballad kind of theme. And, uh, oh, it's really well done. All Of course, all that stuff was Mike Post, right, who was a fantastic, fantastic TV composer of the time. I do know that name, yeah. And, and it's a shame that they kind of lost that for quite a few years. I remember really getting into Heroes when Heroes first came out. And the theme was literally yeah. like five seconds. Oh, was <laughs> like, that the first one that did that? Gone. <laughs> Done. We're in sort of a hybrid time now because there are some shows that literally just go boing and the show begins. And there are some with beautiful beginnings. A lot of Apple yeah. TV shows like Silo, fantastic yeah. beginnings to Silo. Yeah, um, Foundation. Foundation has, I don't know if you've watched that show. I that don't was on know. Right. Amazing music. Uh, it's actually a film composer did the whole series. Uh, his name's Bear McCreary. Right. He also did, well, he's actually done film and TV. He did Walking Dead as well, which had a great theme. Oh, right. uh, short, but really, really good theme. Yeah, I do love a good theme. Yeah, but with like skip intro, do you think people bother anymore? There are now loads of skip intro people, I'm sure. Um, I think it depends on on who you are. I I have to hear the theme every time. You know, Last of Us too is the other one I was. I was yeah, that's of. good. Severance. You've seen Severance? What a fantastic show! Fantastic theme. That I can't not watch. I, I haven't actually watched that. I haven't watched that. That's so. one for you. You will like that theme if you like themes. There's only two shows that I can't turn the theme off, and one is Severance. The other one is Succession. I need to hear that music in Succession to get me like pumped up for what I'm about to watch. <laughs> No, I, I watched I watched a couple of episodes. Yeah. Um, and I watched one, I think it was about a pig or something like that. Oh, I'd that's totally a good one. The well, no. <laughs> so the reason the pig story, I believe it's called the National Anthem, that episode, where the Prime Minister is blackmailed into having sexual intercourse with a pig. And when Charlie Brooker wrote that, mm-hmm. he couldn't, he's written quite a lot of episodes that have sort of come true, the, the, the gist of things have come true. And it, after that episode aired, it was very soon after when David Cameron who was prime minister at the time, was accused of putting his penis in a dead pig's head while he was at Eton. And he had to go and deny it. This was like a big story. And he would go, oh of course, I did not fuck the pig's head. Uh, but, but, you know, it, when he wrote it, it was like, well, of course, a prime minister is not going to... And it, and it turned out to be sort of vaguely possibly true. I don't think it happened. But that kind of stuff is kind of wild. <laughs> Where can people find your music? Most of my music is on SoundCloud, right? So if you go to soundcloud.com, uh, it's Jeff Allen Greenway. Um, and I have a YouTube channel as well. My my website is jeffallengreenway.com. So the audio at this point got a little bit scrambled, but luckily we were nearly finished anyway. So I want to thank Jeff for popping in and seeing us on Television Times podcast. It was great chat. Really enjoyed talking to him. It's been way too long. And now for a little treat, instead of having to listen to me Witter on and sing at you. We're going to end with one of Jeff's songs, my all-time favourite song of Jeff Greenway's, which is Cavalry. I hope you love it as much as I do.
I just don't know what to say. I'm at a loss, just what to say. I don't feel anymore. I can't give anymore. This well has bled bone dry. If you ask for just one more try, I can't give anymore from these hands. Can you tell the wrong from right? And which one we should stand and fight for? Do we see anymore? Can we love anymore? We both were caught in this maze. At first, it's fun till you're lost for days. I don't want any more of this game. There's no Superman. There won't be any cavalry rushing to save you and me. There's no master plan. There won't be any magic carpet ride. There's nowhere for you and I to hide. To think, can you please tell me what to think? I don't know anymore. I don't believe anymore. The leaves have turned and this chill won't end. You still think summer's round the bend? I don't want any more of this game. There's no super. To save you and me, there's no master plan. There won't be any magic carpet ride. There's nowhere for you and I to hide. To save you and me, there's no master plan. There won't be any magic covered ride. There's nowhere for you and I. There's nowhere for you and I. There's nowhere for you and I to hide.
Now that is a goddamn motherfucking tune. That's Jeff Allen Greenway with Cavalry there. Absolutely fantastic song. Now, if you enjoyed this podcast, please follow us wherever you are listening to it. Simple as that. Come back next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.